All right, everybody, we're going to start the call now. I apologize for getting a little bit later start here. Uh, Once again, I want to thank you for being on the Progressive Care Conference call and business update. We're going to be joined by the leadership of the company, including Chairman and CEO Alan J. Weisberg, as well as Cecile Munich, who is the CFO and Robert Bedwell, Director of Administrative Services. Before we get started, though, let me go ahead and give you the forward-looking statements, statements contained herein that are not based upon current or historical fact, are forward-looking in nature and constitute forward-looking statements within the meaning of Section 27A of the Securities Act of 1933 and Section 21E of the Securities Exchange Act of 1934. Such forward-looking statements reflect the company's expectations about its future operating results, performance, and opportunities that involve substantial risks and uncertainties. When used herein, the words anticipate, believe, estimate, upcoming, plan, target, intend, and expect, and similar expressions as they relate to Progressive Care Incorporated, its subsidiaries, or its management, are intended to identify such forward-looking statements. These forward-looking statements are based upon information currently available to the company and are subject to a number of risks, uncertainties, and other factors that could cause the company's actual results, performance, prospects, and opportunities to differ materially from those expressed in or implied by these forward-looking statements. With that, I will turn the call over to Chairman and CEO, Alan J. Weisberg. Jay, the call is yours. Good afternoon, and welcome to the earnings call for the quarter ended March 31st, 2021. I am Alan J. Weisberg, Chief Executive Officer and Chairman of the Board of Progressive Care, Inc. Joining our team today are our Chief Financial Officer, Cecil Munich, and our Director of Administrative Services, Robert Bidwell. I go by Jay, and you heard me introduce as Jay, and you probably have seen comments about me as Jay. Since our last call on April 1st, we have completed a record first quarter in terms of revenue and net earnings. Our first quarter results exceeded expectations in most areas as demand outpaced expectations for our COVID-19 testing services and added increased volume in our third-party administrative services, TPA, performed for 340B covered entities by our subsidiary ClearMetrics. Our ClearMetrics data analytical platform is nearing completion and we expect to see business come online from pharmacies and medical practices in the following quarter of 2021. We had some minor disruptions to our pharmacy dispensing business due to implementation of our new pharmacy software and our move to new facilities in Hallandale Beach and Orlando, Florida. We expect the volume and dispensing prescriptions will pick back up in the second quarter as we optimize operations between settling into the use of the new software and our new facilities. We'll update you on the progress of our business plan, the objective of which is to complete our evolution into a diversified healthcare service business. 
We will also update you on our progress towards the completion of our registration statement with the Security and Exchange Commission. Our efforts to raise capital to complete our ClearMetrics data analytic platform and fulfill our business needs, and our ultimate goal to uplift to a national security exchange. We believe our statements here will answer many of the questions that you, our lawyer shareholders, may have. However, we have a lot of time at the end of this conference call to discuss and answer some of the shareholder questions submitted prior to this meeting. The deadline for submission of your questions was February 14th. So we will not entertain any further questions that may have been submitted after that date. Let's begin the earnings call with the summary of our quarterly financial report, which was filed with the OTC market today, May, May 17, 2021. The financial statements in the report were reviewed by our independent public accounting firm. We encourage you to review our report following this call, which will provide you with all the information discussed here in greater detail. We will also discuss our business outlook for the remainder of the year. Cecile Munich, our CFO, will walk us through the financial results and projections. Thank you, Jay. Good afternoon, everyone. We've had an exciting first quarter of 2021. We are now fully settled in our expanded facility in Hallowdale Beach and Orlando. We've completed our year-end financial statement orders for the year ended December 31st, 2020 and received a clean opinion from our auditors. Our revenue net of DRICs for Q1 2020 was $9.6 at 6% year-over-year growth when compared to Q1 of 2020. Much of that increase was attributable to the COVID-19 testing that we performed at our pharmacies during the first quarter in 2021, which was not present during the same period in 2020. We are well on our way, exceeding 40 million in gross revenue that was earned during 2020. We project total revenue will exceed 45 million for 2021, a 2.5% year-over-year increase. Oh, sorry, 12.5% year-over-year increase. <laughs> the projected increase will come from several sources, including organic growth in our pharmacy operations, expansion of our third-party administrative or TPA services, and COVID testing. First, during the first quarter of 2021, we have expanded the number of contracts for our 340B pharmacy dispensing and TPA services. TPA services are provided through our peer metric subsidiary. We expect to add more pharmacy dispensing and TPA contracts throughout the remainder of 2021. Peer metrics have significantly greater gross margin than those generated from our pharmacy operations. This is reflected in the improved consolidated gross profit margins that we have experienced since the third quarter of 2020. Second, we earned more than half a million dollars in revenue from COVID-19 testing for over 3,500 patients at our pharmacies during the first quarter of 2021. Testing was not a component of our revenue for the first quarter of 2020 because the pandemic has just reached our shores and we had not yet obtained authorization to perform testing at our pharmacies. 
So then we have built a reputation as a reliable testing site for COVID-19 with some of the most well-known businesses in the restaurant, travel, and entertainment industry. We are continually expanding our testing team and equipment to meet the rapidly growing demand, especially with regards to travel in the international hub for the Americas, which is Miami. Demand has been so high that we have expanded testing to seven days a week, thereby maximizing our hours of operation. We have reached beyond, beyond the available market share of patients with transportation looking for testing solutions by offering mobile testing in addition to our on-site testing. Mobile testing has enabled us to charge an additional fee for service that we are unable to realize with our on-site testing. We project that our testing services will remain at or above our present levels because we are strategically located at a major international hub for the Americas and the Caribbean and expect to benefit from ongoing testing and vaccinations as travel restrictions are lifted. The rapid test model has proven to be very profitable. To capitalize on this proven model, we are looking to expand our testing to other illnesses, including STDs, testing for various allergies, women's health, and more. Some of the tests will require a pharmacy to get additional licensing. Our compliance team is working diligently on getting all the regulatory information so we can put into action our ultimate goal, to have a hybrid model that offers both lab and pharmacy services under one roof. Third, during Q1, we received approval to administer COVID-19 vaccines to our customers. We received our first shipment of Moderna vaccines in April, which represented 2,000 doses. We will continue to work to secure more vaccines as we exhaust the initial supply. Finally, our pharmacy business had a temporary downturn in volume, which led to a $900,000 decrease in revenue as compared to Q1 2020. This was caused by the implementation of new pharmacy software in addition to the move to our new facilities in Hallowdale Beach and Orlando. We anticipate that our volume will pick up during the remainder of 2021. We also recognize non-operating and non-recurring gains on debt extinguishment that resulted from payment forgiveness of one of our PPP loans from the federal government and a debt principal adjustment by our convertible note holder. All of these enhancements have led to an improvement in our operating earnings and net income. We delivered an adjusted EBITDA of $141,000, an increase of over $780,000 over the adjusted EBITDA from Q1 in 2020. This is the first time in many years that we have experienced a quarter with positive net income, and we expect to see more consistent profitability over the remaining quarters in 2021. We broke even in cash flow from operating activities during Q1 2021, and overall we increased our cash position to over $2.4 from December 31, 2020. We are continuously analyzing all our processes to optimize efficiency and ultimately reduce costs. We expect our cash position will remain around $2 million for the entire year. Management is very pleased with these accomplishments, which are due in large part to the efforts of operations team. Finally, I'd like to discuss the status of our registration statement following with the Securities and Exchange Commission. 
As we discussed in our annual earnings call in April, we have made a confidential filing of Form S1 with the SEC. The registration statement was received by the SEC staff and comments were provided to us for our consideration. These comments were addressed and incorporated into the next draft of the Form S1, which will include the audited 2020 financial statements as well as our unaudited Q1 2021 financial statements. We have received many questions from our shareholders about the convertible note payable with Chicago Ventures, which we currently service through the conversion of debt, principal, and interest into shares of our common stock. The shares received in these conversions are then sold on the open market by the note holder. Those sales have had a dilutive effect on our stock price. We have attempted to negotiate the Chicago Ventures to remove the convertible features and modify the note to include more traditional and favorable debt service terms. Thus far, those efforts have been unsuccessful, but we will continue to pursue the negotiations in the interest of our shareholders. We're also seeking other forms of capital, either debt or equity in form, which will be used to pay down the remaining principal balance of the note. That completes my remarks on the financial results for the first quarter of 2021 and our business outlook. I'm going to, go, I'm going to hand it back to Jay for um, final comments and closing remarks. Thank you, Cecile. We are pleased with our financial results for 2021 thus far. But we have a lot more to accomplish as we continue on our plan to transform into a data-centric healthcare technology platform with market-leading and innovative solutions to deliver personalized, patient-centered care. We completed a significant component of that plan through the launch of our ClearMetric subsidiary. The company's first wholly owned data management company with services designed to support healthcare organizations across the country. Through ClearMetrics, we provide insights, data security, and technology development. During Q2, we are nearing the completion of our health IT HIPAA compliant software development and virtual healthcare services and plan to deliver these services directly to consumers and through channel partners. We expect that our independent contractor, MyAppsCorp, a leading developer of healthcare software, will complete the software platform for ClearMetrics in the coming weeks. We will then concentrate our efforts to develop new sales channels or expand existing ones. We also signed a service agreement with Eagle Force Health LLC in February 2021 to integrate its telehealth platform called MyVax into our data platform to offer a digital passport for COVID-19 testing and vaccination results. We are still on target for this platform to be operational in the second quarter of 2021. It will include complete patient scheduling, telehealth, and telepharmacy platform services, and will be available for consumers in a mobile application, which will be available on both iOS and Android devices. The digital passport will provide registration, verification, and documentation of COVID-19 vaccinations and or test results. 
we have begun transferring our pharmacy's patients' data onto MyVax platform so we can start offering to our physicians telehealth solution that will have all their patient medication information, allowing them to better manage medication adherence. We believe that MyVax's medication adherence tool is superior to most systems out there and very excited about its rollout. Next, I'd like to review for, our for you our strategic goals for 2021 and beyond. Strive to achieve over 45 million in sales in 2021. Expansion of COVID-19 testing and vaccination programs. Completion of telehealth integration with the rollout of Eagle Force Digital Passport Program. Nationwide launch of Clarimetrics 340B TPA services. Secure additional 340B contracts with covered entities. Seek and obtain long-term care facility relationships. Achieve full enterprise profitability and earnings growth become SEC registered and fully reporting, complete an uplist to a national exchange. We believe that Q 2021 has been a promising start to accomplish each of these goals. As we progress through the year, it will be important to keep our management team's vision for progressive care in mind. The healthier we make the patients, the more successful our business will be and we will not lose sight of that vision. With the added goal of enhancing and creating more value for our shareholders. That concludes our remarks for the earnings call. We'd like to turn now to questions that we received in advance of the earnings call. Okay. Uh, Bob Bidwell will be answering the questions as submitted prior to the earnings call. Okay, thank you, Jay. Good afternoon, everyone. My name is Bob Bedwell, and I'm the Director of Administrative Services here at Progressive Care and, and Farco. Uh, we received a number of questions uh, up through Friday afternoon, and we'd like to address as many of those as we can. In the interest of time, we've uh, combined several of those questions as they're all generally in the same subject matter, so we'll answer uh, those questions on a combined basis. First question submitted to us was the following question, why are the financial statements late? So we think that there might be two um, points to that question. One is related to our monthly reporting of revenue and financial results, which we had previously done in 2020 and prior fiscal years. Second is, is related to our um, filing of our quarterly interim financial report and um, uh, whether, you know, what is the filing status of that, re uh, of that, uh, of that report. Um, we file our annual and quarterly financial reports, which include our financial statements, based off of the OTC market's um, um, due dates. So the due dates are 45 days after the last day of the reporting period. So since that date fell uh, over the weekend, um, uh, OTC allows the reports to be filed on uh, May 17th. So 
So we have, uh, as we previously reported in this call, uh, we have filed uh, the, the financial report with OTC markets, and that report is available to you there. Okay, so the, the, uh, in short, the financial statements are not late. Okay, second question, why no more monthly revenue updates? Okay, that is, is something that uh, we'll answer very simply. We strive to provide you with the most complete, most accurate financial reporting on both quarterly and annual basis, both from a regulatory compliance standpoint, as well as providing useful, needed information for investors and the general public. Okay, so up to this point, we have felt that uh, preparing that information on a monthly basis and given the uh, constraints that uh, our new pharmacy software has placed on us in terms of both the implementation and information supplied by that software, um, we have not provided that information on a monthly basis. However, we were able to close the quarter on a timely basis, provide and prepare the financial statements for the quarter, and more importantly, provide that information to our independent public accounting firm for their review. Um, their review, uh, they, they propose no adjusting entries to our financial information, so we're very uh, happy that, uh, of, of, that, uh, of that development, and we believe that the information provided to you on a quarterly basis will be the uh, foregoing and ongoing uh, uh, timing and intervals uh, uh, for the foreseeable future. So our expectation is that we will be providing this information on at least a quarterly basis to you going forward. Third question submitted to us was, what was the 10 million share transaction at, uh, the question says $10.25, I believe the, uh, it's 10 cents or 10 and a quarter cents as opposed to $10.25. I don't, I'm sure uh, a lot of us would be a lot happier if it had been at $10.25, but nonetheless, it's at 10 and a quarter cents. Um, we don't track uh, individual transactions like that, so unfortunately, we uh, cannot provide you any information regarding that transaction. Fourth question, which was touched upon in our opening remarks here for the earnings call, is when is the Form S-1, the registration statement, going to be completed, if ever? So as we explained in our remarks here, um, the, the Form S-1 registration statement, the intention here is, is to complete a registration statement as soon as, uh, as um, uh, the information that we need to include in that, uh, in that registration statement is available. So we've met two of those requirements. We've completed the year-end financial audit, which Cecile has referred to. We've also completed a first quarter interim reporting. Our uh, auditors have reviewed that. So I think that going forward, what we're looking at right now is really the third requirement for filing the registration statement, and as determining the, the, uh, the nature and the type of, of capital raises or in, in some form, either equity or debt, okay, and, and making that determination as to how we access the carpet, uh, the capital matter, uh, markets, the capital markets in some, uh, in some form. So we're exploring a number of different means of raising equity and or debt capital uh, and so that really is the third and final determining factor in terms of 
filing the registration statement with the SEC. It is still our intention to, at some point, file that registration statement, have the statement made effective so that we become an SEC reporting company. Fifth question submitted to us is the following. Is there a merger that we are waiting on for us to move forward? The answer to that is simple. We're always exploring potential acquisitions or potential business transactions in some other form, such as a merger of equals. So always something that we're, we're continually looking at to further our business and expand our business. Sixth question, where does debt stand? Did we even seek traditional financing like what was mentioned in previous conference calls? Just as a review, for those of you familiar with our financial reporting, debt on our balance sheets is in several different forms, whether that be mortgage debt on our Hallandale Beach property, which is our main pharmacy, whether it be equipment financing on major pharmacy and, and, uh, and, and other types of equipment, as well as investor debt such as the Chicago Venture and Iliad Research Convertible Notes. We're exploring other traditional sources of financing for both working capital and expansion purposes such as from um, either in debt or in equity form. Seventh question, where are we now on licensing in 50 states uh, or uh, is there planned expansion to Georgia? The answer to that really lies on the, the type of business that can be derived from a state. Anytime that we look for licensing on a non-resident basis in some other state, there has to be a, a business purpose for obtaining that licensing. What we're trying to do is, is, is evolve from the traditional pharmacy model of reliance on third-party payers as our primary source of, of capital and, and, and revenue. So what we're looking at in other states is cash business, what we can derive from uh, perhaps uh, doing business in that state um, in different forms of cash types of transactions. Most common that comes to mind is mail order pharmacy. Okay, so if we have the opportunity to partner with someone or to obtain business, uh, let's say from a mail order pharmacy perspective, we would certainly look at that. So that's really what drives our business licensing decision making. As to our plans to expand in Georgia, Georgia is always one of the states that we're always looking to explore potential opportunities given its proximity to our business here in Florida. Eighth question, what's the status of PBM DIR fee legislation? This is a good question because we continually report on the, uh, the negative effect that, uh, that PBMs have on our business in terms of directly uh, related to DIR fees. Unfortunately, most of the current legislative or judicial initiatives to reform pharmacy benefit managers or PBMs as they're referred to is really at the state level. So what I encourage you to do is take a look at uh, several different state efforts uh, some of them very successful. Texas just recently, uh, I believe there's a ruling leader that has already been in place or 
that uh, is currently being adjudicated, such as in Arkansas, that are provisions that would allow the states to um, regulate PBMs more closely, to actually audit PBMs. And what we're most interested in is prohibiting clawback of DAR fees. So what we're finding is, for example, in the Texas case, that many of those types of clawbacks to DIR fees that they're now uh, being removed or uh, being regulated in some way. So that's a very encouraging development. All right, so take a look at the case uh, that is currently uh, before the Supreme Court that's been brought by the state of Arkansas. That could give further clarity to states about what regulations that they can impose on PBMs. Nice question, when do we expect NASDAQ uplift? Is the company still on track to complete an uplift to a national exchange? We are currently still working towards um, that uplift process. Um, you know, there are a number of different things that have to take place before we can uplift. The registration statement has to be made effective. We hope to have an IPO or some capital form of, uh, form of capital raise uh, to be able to put ourselves in a position to meet the entrance requirements for the national uh, stock exchange requirements. All right, so each stock exchange has their own minimum requirements that we would have to meet. So we're currently addressing and looking at each of those and determining what's the most appropriate uh, capital market for us to, uh, uh, to uplist to. Tenth question, what does a quiet period mean? Um, you can't release monthly information if there's a quiet period. Is a quiet period for a form S1 only. So just a, a moment here just to, uh, for those of you that aren't familiar with the term quiet period, that's basically an SEC prohibition on putting any kind of promotional publicity out there in the public domain um, on a company's part that is prior to a company's IPO. All right, so then what this quiet period rule means is it prohibits the company's management or their marketing teams from making forecasts or expressing any types of opinions about the value of their company. What I think the, uh, the question may be more uh, addressed to is the meaning of what is called a confidential filing. All right, as we've reported in the past, we have filed for confidential filing treatment for our Form S-1. That allows the filing to remain confidential prior to it being made effective. The confidential submission of a registration statement allows a company to keep the registration statement confidential and out of the public domain until it decides whether it will proceed with a public offering. So I uh, suggest that you review a particular rule, SEC Rule 135, that allows an issuer to announce limited information about the confidential submission of a registered securities offering that is submitted to the SEC. So in short, our company is in a quiet period because of the confidential filing of this form S1. Next question I think is more appropriate for our CEO, Jay Weisberg, and chairman of our board. The question from our, from, that was addressed to us is, is Alan J. Weisberg a temporary CEO fix? Jay. Thank you, Bob. 
Um, thank you for your answers and reading of the questions. I do want to respond, and I was a little surprised to even see the question. I, I, am, the, I am the CEO. I am honored to be the CEO of Progressive Care. I am proud of the team we have working here, the daily work they put in, and what they've accomplished over the past year. I'm proud of the company and where the company is headed and our accomplishments, and I'm looking forward to moving into the future and driving the company forward. And I want to thank everybody for their support. There's more, oh, Bob gave me a question. I need to give it back to Bob now. He said there's okay. some more questions. All right. Thank you, Jay. Next question is, what's the current status on the Iliac convertible notes? Is the company considering paying off some of the debt with cash? Iliac continues to make periodic redemption requests for their convertible notes. All right, so and, and as part of that process, we convert those uh, redemption request into shares of our common stock. We have pursued a number of different options regarding the Iliad note, including paying off some of the debt with cash. We will continue those discussions. Next question, the reverse split proxy will expire on June 30th. Will the company need an extension? If so, will the shareholders need to vote on another proxy for the extension? The company continues to pursue equity investment opportunities that will allow us to meet the national stock exchange entrance requirements. We'll need a reverse stock split in any case with any, uh, with any entrance or uplist into a national stock exchange. So we'll need that reverse stock split in order to increase the stock trading price to the minimum levels that most, if not all, of the stock exchanges um, required to gain entrance. We'll announce our plans at the expiration date of the stockholder approval of that reverse split as that date gets closer. Next question, when will the company launch the telemedicine platform? Uh, in Cecile's remarks and, and Jay's remarks, we're very close to having that platform up and running. We have gener uh, currently some uh, limited uh, uh, use of the, of the telemedicine platform right now. If you recall in Jay's remarks, we refer to Eagle Force uh, as the developer of that platform. Uh, and so there, we're, we're nearing completion of the availability of that telemedicine platform at this point. So we expect that at some point in time here that uh, that platform will be made available. Is the digital uh, passport? That's offered by Eagle Force. Is that currently on track? What a plan Q2 go to market strategy? Um, the short answer to that is yes. Okay, and, and uh, uh, that digital passport is it patentable with broad application? And is there currently a plan to patent the technology? It is not patentable by us. Okay, the uh, the IP for that. Uh, for that platform is owned by Eagle Force. What plans do we have to unlock additional shareholder value? I think we've outlined several of those business initiatives. Generally, what we believe will enhance stockholder value 
is to move from the traditional dispensing pharmacy model that we have operated in, you know, currently and in, in, in the past to a more diversified uh, uh, health services uh, company. We've outlined a couple of those uh, uh, initiatives with both, uh, through both our uh, subsidiary clear metrics in terms of um, the um, data analytics platform as well as the telemedicine platform that is uh, developed, uh, being developed for us by Eagle Force. Besides targeting markets that are underserved, how do we differentiate from traditional pharmacies? I think we've answered that question in you know, a number of different ways here throughout the day. So I, I, I hope that um, what we've um, uh, stated here today in this conference call um, addresses that question for, uh, for that individual. All right, finally, a three-year roadmap. Uh, we've talked a little bit about in this conference call our business outlook. Um, you know, we project down into the future. Um, uh, I think what, uh, you know, because projections tend to be so tenable and, and variable in nature, I think the best way to describe that is, is that we look for each of these different initiatives um, to uh, the, 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 the purpose behind each of these initiatives is to expand our footprint, not just here in Florida, but globally, whether that be nationally or internationally. So that is our objective with each of these different initiatives. So those are the questions that we received uh, from, um, from, our, uh, from our investors and stockholders. Thank you very much for asking those questions, and we hope that, uh, that we've uh, answered them uh, uh, to your satisfaction. Thank you, Jay. Thank you, Bob. Uh, that's all the questions we have for today. We believe that we have provided you with important information by, about our Q1 financial results and our business outlook. We thank you for taking the time to join us on this call and for submitting your questions to us. We hope that you have a great remainder of the spring season and we look forward to talking with you again in August during our next earnings conference call. Stuart. All right. Thank you for that, Jay. And thank you to the entire leadership team of Progressive Care and most of all to you, the shareholders who submitted their questions and joined us for the call today. Enjoy the rest of your afternoon.